0: Today's episode is brought to you in partnership with Saw Days. Now, it hasn't escaped my attention that we are three episodes into this season of Postcards from Midlife, and you haven't asked me once about the other star of this show, our little furry friend Margot, the cat. How is my nemesis?
1: What's a the little, little furball doing? Little well, the, firbol. Large firbol. the large furball.
0: The large furball. Well, actually, we did have an interesting moment because Neil had COVID. Remember that? COVID a couple of oh weeks back. Oh, my God.
1: Worse than any other human in the history of the <laughs> universe,
0: obviously. And, of course, he was banished to the spare room. When I had COVID, obviously, I got to stay in our bedroom. Yeah. the spare room. Anyway, Margot bought him a little gift, and it wasn't a bunch of grapes. Can you think what it might be? Was it something dead? It was something dead, something small Margo. and dead. But he was very touched by the She's gesture. She's a
1: murderer, that's <laughs> that cat, a murderess.
0: I think he likes her about as much as you. So actually, I think it was a turning point, the gift, the gift bringing. He actually quite liked it. But what guess you was... had to clear it away? Was it a bird or a or, or a little little mouse? I had to I had to Margo. delicately remove it from the scene of the crime.
1: We should delicately remove Margot from the scene of everything, in my opinion. <laughs> I love her really
0: Hello. Hello, welcome to Postcards from Midlife. I'm Lorraine Candy. I'm Trish Halpin, and we're on a mission to help you make the most of your magnificent midlife. We'll be tackling everything from mind and body wellness to HRT and your sex drive. Lorraine and I are here to help you have a stylish second act and answer all your midlife questions on fashion, beauty, careers, relationships, family, and as always, the challenges and joys of parenting teens.
1: Now, Trish, before we start the show,
0: I think i found out
1: what's wrong with you. <laughs>
0: what on earth do you mean i I don't think there's anything wrong with me thank you very much i am perfect patsy perfect (laughs) patricia perfect
1: well there isn't actually anything wrong with you you are perfect in my eyes
0: my little petite
1: friend i mean what i've discovered is that you are an hsp do you know what hsp means uh
0: happy sociable pal no
1: you are that no (laughs) It, it actually stands for highly sensitive person. Oh. There's a quiz you can do online which proves the HSP exists. (gasps) I've already filled it in on your behalf because obviously I know all your foibles of <laughs> <Well, laughs> the last 25 years of knowing. Did I you. get the top score? Was yes, I in the top yeah, 100 out of 100? Oh my God. You know how we talked a couple of weeks ago about the smells and the sounds oh, and the kind the, of quirks yes. of furniture and, and the weight of your
0: duvet? And, oh, God. Everything, everything. All yes. of that.
1: Well, it turns out you're not just the uh, princess in the pea, um, as your husband Neil oh. would say
0: that is amazing you so I've, you've diagnosed me i, I think I, it is a thing it's a it, thing it is it's a, an
1: officially clinically recognized thing there is a book uh, dr elaine aaron's book the highly sensitive person uh, which was pointed out to us by uh, one of our lovely listeners on facebook and mm-hmm. she's got an amazing blog dr elaine and this quiz which um, helps you find out if you're a highly sensitive person so that's what's wrong with you trish oh, so now good. you know yes yeah it's Can fine we, we should do more on it because i'm sure we, have we some will other hsps we will. out there in the group mm-hmm. so you're an hsp and i'm the complete opposite you can hear something miles away with your back like <laughs> ears that disturbs you and the oven could explode next to me and i probably wouldn't even <laughs> so that's why we are
0: two halves of a whole okay. aren't we and then we now need to come up with a name and some initials, an acronym for you. I'm going to I'm going to put that on my list B-I-P. of things to do for, for next week. Um, anyway, enough of my okay. diagnosing. Let's pick up our passports, pack our suitcases, and dive into our travel special this week. Well,
1: yes, indeed.
0: It's all aboard the postcards from Midlife Express. See what I did there? (laughs)
1: We're going to be answering all your travel questions today um, from where's the best place to go on holiday solo, which I'm quite keen on, to finding the perfect getaway to please a picky teenager as well as a demanding granny. Mm,
0: well, the main thing I know about travel, Lorraine, is that I, it's always down to me. I'm yeah. the one who plans it every step of the way. Absolutely the same mm. in this house.
1: What has been your most memorable trip, do you think, then, Trish?
0: Oh, right. Well, I have to say, I think that there's a clear winner here. And it was a bit trip of a lifetime. I'm just going to put that out there. Namibia. It was absolutely Exciting. Amazing because you get all the safari stuff, but you've got all the deserty stuff and then all of that kind of thing going on. And we did actually take the kids when they were about uh I think they were about 12. I mean, we saved and saved and saved. It was not cheap, but I think holiday of a lifetime, I would absolutely oh, yeah. recommend it. We've got a friend who lives there, and I'm just going to give you his Instagram account because he He's like a safari guy. It's called June Ranger. Go on there and have a look at the pictures, and oh. uh, that's going to get you uh, uh, in the mood for a bit of Namibia. But what about you?
1: Wild cats the size of
0: Margot.
1: <laughs> well, I went to Sri Lanka mm. for my fiftieth um mm-hmm. three years ago, and it was really a bucket list trip. It was quite quite amazing. And what was the other thing that was really lovely about it is it was a family trip so we had teenagers but obviously we didn't normally when you go on holiday with teenagers Mm. you take their friends don't you because they can't really spend any time with you because you're so boring but we couldn't obviously afford to take their friends and it was really bonding for us as a family it was it was amazing actually they put down their screens they played games they did all the activities Mm. we even went on a cycle ride we even went on some walks Trish which you know (laughs) absolutely (laughs) hates. so I would always recommend trying it even though there's a lot of moaning I would recommend trying a trip where yeah. it is just a family.
0: Yeah, long haul, long haul. I'm going somewhere much closer to home for the summer and we're not taking the kids actually because they're in their post18 post A levels doing their own thing. Um, so Neil and I are going very grown up. We're going to Corsica. Which I thought Exciting. that's always been on my bucket list. I've what? always wanted to go there because obviously they speak French, and of course,
1: which is French. Right, you tan so easily as well. You obviously exactly. hot places ideal. For I have
0: you. a whole sort of French Riviera yes. look not going on, but there you go. <laughs> what now, about you? I bet you've got a bucket list. I bet it's got swimming on it though. No, swimming, no, something, no. Swimming? Listen, I found
1: this amazing bucket list trip mm. just from listening to one of the various podcasts. There is a train that goes mm. from LA to Seattle. And it does it every okay. day. So it's yeah. a commuter train. It's thirty. Mm-hmm. 30- Three-hour train uh,
0: trip. It's
1: Good. very cheap. Goodness. Goodness. it's non-stop. It's well, not non-stop. Obviously, stops at station, but it's very cheap. Um, mm-hmm. and you just get on it as a as a normal passenger. It's not a special trip or anything. It's around a hundred quid to do the whole trip. Um, Goodness. I think, and it's called. It's an Amtrak train, and it yeah. basically goes all the way up the coast through all oh, the different states, and it's got a little viewing platform on mm-hmm. the top that you can go up and see the sunrise when you're going past the bays and through the forests. I'm really excited about that. And I don't want to take the children on that because I do no. think that would be Will awful. you get a bed? Will you get you get to a no, bed? No. Oh, no. we have to sit in a chair. It's just point. a computer train. It's a normal okay. train. I mean, I think you can, if you want to do it, there, there are carriages where you can do it as a holiday yeah. trip. But I think it's more of a people-watching trip, yes. um, to be um, honest. The Pacific watching up for the Pacific yeah, coast. That's exactly. so lovely. And one day I want to go on holiday on my own because, you know, I hate being on my own. Yes. Um, <laughs>
0: I out of your be, comfort zone yes, yes I think it would be a good thing to do yeah, I think it's a good thing to do well hopefully we can find out some good options for you on that front because we're going to be tackling this and some other holiday questions escape questions with the sore days travel experts in our how to win section later on in the show
1: yes indeed we are but before that we're going to be meeting one of my beauty heroes the journalist author activist she set up beauty banks didn't she and instagram Mm -hmm.
2: star sally
1: hughes because we like to make postcards from midlife as useful as possible and we've invited sally on to talk about makeup know-how and how we should look after our skin as it ages
0: she certainly knows everything there is to know about products routines and what works and what doesn't so we'll be quizzing her on all of that as well as some beauty and skincare tips for when you're traveling as well her travel plans for the summer
1: summer travel and I'm in charge this time for our guess the year mm. nostalgia noodle quiz because last need week's to disaster even well I think you made it a maths question last week instead <laughs> of a guess the year
0: mm-hmm. okay frame it how you will I know frame it how you will mm-hmm. <laughs> well all you loser. can try to level things up or at least narrow the gap but don't forget we also have another <laughs> Midlife milestones and magic moments coming up from a listener who took to the stage to face her fears. So, uh I think it's time to say on with the show and to welcome our guest. Today's special guest is Sally Hughes, journalist, author, broadcaster, and most recently, creator of her very own skincare range. Sally, 47, was born in Wales, but left home at just 15 to move to London with a dream of becoming a journalist for a glossy magazine. Since then, she has cemented her status as one of the UK's most trusted beauty experts, thanks to her ability to impart expert knowledge with honest, no-nonsense product reviews and advice, whether that's singing the praises of Glycerin in her Guardian column, or creating Creating videos to demonstrate how to perfect winged eyeliner with the help of a credit card on her Instagram and YouTube channels where she has a combined fan base of more than 300,000. In addition she's written two best-selling beauty books Pretty Honest and Pretty Iconic in which she promises to help her readers look like ourselves only beautiful and she has also made documentaries including Me and My Trolls for Radio 4 about the appalling abuse she received on her social media feeds and the devastating impact it had on her, her family and her friends. But as well as standing up to Online bullying sally has also created a social movement around the issue of hygiene poverty co-founding the charity beauty banks in 2018 with her friend the beauty pr joe jones mother to two teenage sons from her first marriage sally lives in brighton with her husband their stepfather the comedy writer daniel mayer and she's here today to share her beauty and skincare wisdom her many life lessons and a few expert tips for our travel special too Welcome to Postcards from Midlife Sally. Hello lovely to be here thanks for having me. Brilliant now can we start with your definition of beauty and what it means to be beautiful because you've said in the past that you were actually pleased to be a plain child but you grew into your face which is quite a fascinating way of looking at it.
3: I was just ordinary looking I was I, I was not one thing nor another really and yes that was good because I didn't ever I was never one of those very pretty little girls who had all their stock put in their looks by other people which I think happens a lot to little girls Um, and I wasn't a girl who was you know teased about being plain either I was just ordinary I was in the middle which I think is quite a safe space for lots of little girls to be it shouldn't be like that it shouldn't Mm -hmm. be like that for Mm -hmm. for any girl it should not come into it however I did fly under the radar and I also had parents, I must say, I had parents who never described how I looked, which I think is where kids come a these days. They're constantly told how they look on social media or by other kids. I can't remember in childhood people ever describing to me what I looked like yeah
1: make, it makes a real difference when you don't make it part of the conversation, I think.. As yeah. a and as you've grown older, matured, um, you're in your 40s now, how has your relationship with your face and what you see in the mirror changed? I
3: think I'm all right about it, but there are there are caveats that go with that. I think I'm basically fine about it. however, I'm a privileged person. I get Botox every six months. Lots of people would like to do that and can't. Lots of people don't want to do that. And thumbs up to that. That's completely fine. I think growing old in a certain way definitely comes with financial privilege. That, that other people don't have. And I think that's that has to be factored in to our relationship with um, the ageing process. Yeah. But by and large, I sort of feel all right about it. And I think those foundations were laid when I was little for the reasons just described. It's funny, when people meet me, when I do big events or book tours or whatever, mm-hmm. quite often women will say, oh my God, don't look at the way I've done my makeup. Don't look at me. Don't look at me thinking I'm going to judge how they look mm-hmm. because of my job. But actually... Anybody who knows me would say that's the last thing I would ever do. I'm not, I'm really not luxist, you know, I'm really not. It's just not part of my personality. And so I apply that same thing to myself. I'm not hugely hard on how I look and I never really have been uh, one way or another. I'm also happily married and I have lots of girlfriends or some girlfriends my age who are still out there. And I think that makes a bit
0: of a difference. Mm -hmm. Now, we have a really good thread on our Facebook group in which members share their pictures and stories of of letting their hair go grey and say, right, just decided the time has come. And you actually took the decision to dye your hair grey and and, and what you described as a kind of reverse midlife crisis. So tell us about that. How do you go about why you did it and how you go about doing it? Your colour is gorgeous. It's a really lovely grey.
3: Thank you. So I was going grey. I was going quite grey at the front. Sorry, can you hear next door's dog? I'm sorry about that. It's not my <laughs> Don't dog. worry, we've had other barking dogs on as well my, this morning. My dog, has been, my dog has been evacuated for the podcast. <laughs> She's at the park. But anyway, so I was going really, really grey at the front. And I'm allergic to PPD, which is present in all permanent grey covering hair colourant. So I couldn't dye out the greys the way lots of other people, like almost every oh, other person I know can And so it was either go grey really, really slowly at glacial pace um, until nature took over and I went grey or kind of steer into the skid because I'm not allergic allergic to bleach. And I never had a problem with being grey. I had a problem with slowly going Mm grey. And so I decided that I was just going to bleach the whole lot grey and have done with it. How do you pick the colour
1: though? I mean, when you so, so if I go grey, because it's like a white grey mine. It's a different grey from your grey because your hairs a darker. How do you even get into working out what grey to go? Because it looks so even and lovely, your colour. It's so a kind of for anyone who can't see, it's a kind of kind of silvery grey, isn't it? How would you describe it?
3: I didn't have a choice. So basically, all yeah. that happened because because I can't use permanent hair colourant, all that happens is I go to the hairdressers, I get peroxide highlights put in, and they go whichever colour nature lets you go, oh, and right. it just oh, strips out the pig it strips out the pigment from your mm-hmm. hair. Yeah. And so when I come out of the hairdressers, I. I have these kind of blondie white streaks and then I've used temporary colorants at home and I mix them up so sometimes I use silver sometimes I use white sometimes I use ash but they just wash in things that just kind of tone the bleachy streaks which mm-hmm. is why my hair color changes quite a lot the ones I use are called shrine drops and they're basically marketed at really really young women and I discovered them accidentally and they are brilliant they're really affordable they you just buy them in super drug or boots or whatever and they're like um they're like food coloring drops but for hair and you just put them in your conditioner put
0: your conditioner on for 10 minutes wash it out and you get your silver color and that's what I do Mm. so it doesn't sound low maintenance though because I think part of it is thinking oh I don't have to go to the hairdressers and spend three hours getting my highlights done and think about what shampoo I'm going to get it does it still takes maintenance doesn't it
3: it's obviously more maintenance than not doing anything, but um, I only go once every three months. I go every three months mm-hmm. for the highlights and then I put a few drops in my conditioner, my normal conditioner. I don't buy special mm. shampoo and conditioner. Okay. So it's actually all right. It's fine. Did you have to change your makeup and your wardrobe to go
1: with it? Because I dyed my hair black once and didn't really anticipate all the other changes I would have to make around it
3: because I couldn't wear black. I looked ridiculous
1: with black hair and all, all black, which kind of worked better with a blonde. Did you change everything else? <laughs>
3: Uh no I didn't and lots of people ask me that and no I I I don't kind of feel that way about it yeah. I think I think the only thing that I have worn less of is I don't particularly love my hair color against cream and beige I don't particularly like that those two things together but apart from that I don't think I've changed anything at all certainly not my makeup my makeup's exactly the same because mm-hmm. I, I I think about what suits my features and my skin I just think hair is just a color it doesn't it doesn't really
2: it hasn't what, did, um, my
3: behavior. what did those around you think
1: when you went fully gray
3: So my husband, I think definitely if you went through a kind of line of everyone he's ever gone out with and been with, they are all brunettes. Every single Mm. one of them is a brunette. He has never gone out with blondes or anything. And I'm not that I would ever, ever let him dictate what to do and nor would he ever attempt to. But I asked him when I was thinking about it and he said, oh, I think it'll look really chic. I think it'll really suit you. Do it. And my friends felt similarly, it took me a really, really long time to do it, though, because I can't go back because I can't dye my hair brown again. So this Mm -hmm. is it. This is it. The only way I can I can go back to square one is by growing it out gradually. So um, that's why it took me so long to take the plunge, but uh, certainly no regrets.
0: So let's talk about skincare now, because it's such a passion of yours. And I mean, how exciting. You've just launched your own range called Sally Hughes Times Revolution Skincare. And you've rather fabulously described it as the perfect white T-shirt of skincare. So we've both been trying it. We were talking before you came on the show about how fabulous it is. It really is lovely. And the way that you explain the products, the ingredients, you you just make it straightforward. Um, easy and, and effective. My skin, I've been using it for about a week and my skin's been feeling really lovely. So, white t-shirt of skincare. Tell us more. I've been approached a few times in the past about starting a brand.
3: and um, this is the first time where everything I wanted to be in place was there. So, all the things that were important to me, I really wanted to manufacture in Britain, it really needed to be vegan. I was obsessed with price point, I didn't want to do anything that was expensive, I wanted it to be affordable. Um, So all of that was in place. But also, I had a really, really, really kind of all consuming idea that I needed to get out of my system. And my idea was completely against current marketing trends. So I didn't know how it would be received, which is essentially, at the moment, and for the past few kind of three years, probably, skincare has been marketed on the assumption that women are skin intellectuals, they're obsessed with skincare, they know, they know know the ingredients. They know the ingredients they want to uh, use, or they're happy to use five different serums in the morning. Now, my girlfriends, I'm in a very, very, very strong group of friends. Some of them have lots of money. Some of them have a little bit of money. Some of them have very little money. Um, And every single one of them was saying exactly the same thing to me, which is, I don't understand skincare anymore. I don't get it anymore. Just tell me what to do. And so they would be in space and K or boots, and they would be sending me a text saying, Sal, just tell me what to buy. Meanwhile, on social media, I was constantly getting questions which skin intellectuals would consider really basic. Like, um, can I use this ingredient? Can I use niacinamide with hyaluronic acid? If I use my vitamin C, can I still use my retinol? Or even things like, I don't know where a serum goes. Does it go on before moisturizer or after moisturizer? Mm. And I was thinking, hang on, there's a huge disconnect here between what the beauty industry is convinced women are doing and what real women are actually doing. And I'm sorry, as much as I'm obsessed with skincare, I don't think most women are. I get paid to be obsessed with skincare. The women I know are paid to do other things. They need to get on with their job. They need to raise their families. They need to run their relationships, their homes. And I don't think they're sitting there reading 2000 word report on niacinamide. I think Mm -hmm. they just wanna be told what works with proven ingredients at the right levels that are completely compatible, whack it on your face and get on with your life. And that was my really strong feeling. And it was totally unfashionable. And I'm really, really, really glad I was allowed to do it. And we've ended up where we are because, I mean, we've basically sold out of a year's worth of stock. (laughs) But you've sold out
1: really since in the... What three weeks since you
3: launched? It's been an extraordinary. Uh, it'll be three weeks tomorrow, yeah. I think. Yeah. Oh goodness.
0: Yeah. So, what about all our listeners now who are very excited about this and aren't going to be able to get it? Are they? Are you kind of resupplying? Are you getting it
3: back <laughs> so, on? So we've already pushed the button on on the next run, and also there are so many online retailers who have their own third party stock. Yeah. So although in the warehouse we have nothing left, I think you know uh, places like ASOS look fantastic. Right. Superdrug.com, Beauty Bay, Debenhams.com, all of those places, they have their own stock. So you just need to kind of Google and shop around a bit. Mm-hmm. But in terms of bricks and mortar, people all over the country have been sending me pictures of their local superdrug and there's literally nothing oh, left so on hot. the shelves. Yeah. Wow.
1: And I think for listeners, you know, and Trish and I have been in this industry 20,000 gazillion years. What I liked is it's so simple. You explain the ingredients, you explain when to put them on, and you call it a capsule wardrobe for your skin because it's just a really simple routine i think it will relieve women of that headache of serums and vitamin c and you also it's got your words and i think lots of women are familiar with your words on on the packaging which is absolutely great do we expect makeup to be the next thing then sally tell me yes please because then i'll know which mascara to put on
2: <laughs> um uh- <laughs> uh,
3: this is a skincare range um, um will remain a skincare range, but certainly never say never. Not in this particular uh, partnership is all I can say. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. <laughs> you obviously do a lot of makeup tutorials on your YouTube and Instagram channels, and they're so good. They're so good. I mean, I find even at this age, I'm still not very good at putting makeup on, but I can always follow what you do. So do you want to just describe to our listeners, what would be your standard everyday makeup look that you go for?
3: It depends what I'm doing. So I haven't worked on staff at magazines since 2005. So Basically, in all the time I've been a freelancer, which is about 100 years, I if I'm writing, I I, I look rubbish. You know, I, I wear literally nothing on my face and that's fine. But if I was to do a basic makeup where I might have to nip out, see people, I would probably do a tinted moisturizer, an under eye brightener. Bit of bronzer, bit of lip balm, bit of mascara, and that would be me. I only mm-hmm. really put full makeup on if I'm making a video or if I'm hosting an event. But day to day, no. And I just, I certainly am not somebody who cares people seeing me without makeup, as you will have seen. So many mm-hmm. of my videos start with me bare faced. I don't give a damn about that. I'm perfectly content for people to see me without it. But when I wear makeup it definitely puts a spring in my step it definitely makes mm-hmm. me feel a bit more together and like I'm ready to do some work or I, it, it just kind of gives demarcation I think to the day mm-hmm. you know you showered your makeup's on you've got an outfit on even if you're wearing slippers on the bottom of it I just feel a bit more with it mm-hmm. yeah you sometimes
1: put shoes on don't you during the day if you're even if you're working at home
3: yeah and uh, you know put a bra on you know some things just, <laughs> some, some things just make you feel with it don't they
1: and when you get older, as women get older, and we often say this when Trish and I talk to the beauty industry, we don't want to look younger; we just want to look better. And sometimes, midlife women reevaluate how they look. Some women might start wearing makeup at this stage of life, having not worn it before, or, or decide that they're, they're just not going to bother. How do you advise women as they age? I mean, I know we we can say age is irrelevant, but it is relevant because your face does change. You lose collagen, you get lines, you, the shape changes. How do you advise them to reevaluate their makeup bag at that stage of life.
3: I really agree with that I'm not interested in looking younger I've never ever thought oh I really want to look young for my age I just want to look good at my age as good as I can at my age and so there are various ways of doing that I do think by and large that as women get older you want a bit of light on your face so I have have if you like a matte lipstick have one that's not quite 100% matte that still allows some reflection a light reflecting under eye Brightener, for example, I use the Beauty Pie one, which is really cheap. Um, I use that all the time. That just kind of reflects light onto the face. Anything that attracts light is just really, really flattering. I also think that brows are really, really key. Ooh, I think, yeah, I think brows can be really, really helpful as we get older, and maybe we don't, we don't want yeah. our eyes to, eyes to to droop in the way that they are, and a, a really great brow can help frame them. I think if you're a glasses wearer, as lots of women are as they get older, I'm a glasses wearer myself, you kind of have to accept that your eye will probably need a bit more definition with makeup. So I would take color to underneath the eye, not just on top of it. Um, if you're using a shadow and so on, so that your eyes don't disappear behind your glasses, you're likely to be wearing stronger f- stronger lenses yeah. and so on. What I would say as well, actually, about makeup is that um, a lighter base, I think, is much more flattering as skin mm-hmm. ages. I think the mistake... Lots of us make it, as we get older, more foundation because our skin is less perfect in the eyes yeah. of society. But that's not the case at all. In fact, you want the life to still appear in your skin. And that means a lighter, glowier base. Like today I'm wearing NARS tinted moisturizer or you could wear MAC face and body foundation, something that's kind of transparent that has a kind of glowy eggshell finish rather than a matte, flat finish. It's definitely mm-hmm. not the case that you want to cover everything up as you get older. Not at all. We like that. Now we're
0: both a little bit older than you well, quite a bit older than you you're um into your mid-40s and you know for both of us and obviously a lot of our listeners that is a real time of of change in terms of physical changes not just from the aging process but also from perimenopause where are you on that journey you noticing any physical changes how and how kind of aware of perimenopause are you I'm super aware of it because I'm
3: under the care of a hormone doctor. So, Mm -hmm. um, so I'll be 48 in February. I still have regular periods and all of that stuff. However, about, I'm going to say four years ago, I was feeling so sorrowful Mm -hmm. and so sad for no particular reason. Career was great. Husband's great. Kids are great. Like I didn't have any problems that I could pinpoint, but I just felt so sad all Time. Yeah. And I just couldn't work out what it was. It felt different from depression. I've had postnatal depression. It wasn't that. It was just this sort of sorrowful, anxious sort of worry. And I kept going, I just felt really tired as well all the time. Mm -hmm. Of course, every woman, every woman you know, is knackered permanently. So it's hard to know what's normal and what seeks it needs you to seek attention. So I went to the doctor. Over and over and over again and got nowhere. And in the end, I was so despairing that I went to the London Hormone Clinic, not through work, paid like a punter, still paid Mm -hmm. like a normal patient. Um, I went there and it was miraculous. So they ran every imaginable test and said, you have... The worst vitamin D deficiency we've ever seen. You have a really underactive thyroid, and that is why you feel sad and sleepy. I could have gone to sleep at any point of the day for yeah. two or three hours. Yeah. And because I'm a workaholic, I never indulged that. So I just felt really bad. So they put me onto Thyroxine, they boosted my vitamin D levels hugely and I was put on progesterone for for a short while for well not for a short while for about two years I've actually come off them now because I no longer need them but I really needed it at the time and the effect it had was huge and it's back to this kind of two-tier thing I know that when I need more stuff when I need estrogen when I need testosterone and so on I know that I can afford to pay for Mm -hmm. it. What bothers me is how many people I know who feel absolutely bloody lousy. Mm -hmm. So many of my girlfriends feel lousy. And half of them, I've recommended to the London Hormone Clinic because they can afford it. And the other half of them are in this perpetual cycle of begging their GP to give them what oh, they yes. need yes. and I hate mm. the two-tier system of it and if it was men going through the menopause we all know that there would be equality across the health service I mean we get emails all the, you know it's just
1: like so upsetting GPs turning women away and not really believing I mean I think it's changing so you yeah. know we have to hold out hope for that now, you called yourself a workaholic which is something you've been really probably since the age of about 16 haven't you Sally you've worked so hard it's been a hugely successful Successful career actually driven by your hard work what have been the milestones for you and what have been the setbacks and how have you overcome them
3: so yes I've, I've worked since I was 15 so yeah that's quite a lot of graft I am somebody who works hard and and I think that comes from a sense of fear I always know that everything falls apart if mum's not working you know yeah. i don't have a family support structure like lots of people do i don't i don't have anyone to ask for money in that way mm-hmm. and so i've always known that if i'm not working hard then everything falls apart and obviously now because i have teenage children it's not just me it it's everybody is relying mm-hmm. on me and so so i'm sufficiently scared that i've always been a hard worker and and although i'm fine now i always think well i'm going to lose my house everything's going to fall apart <laughs> because because that's because that's just my mentality, and it will never mm-hmm. be any different. But it's a good, it's not a bad thing to have. In terms of milestones, God, there have been so many, they're always kind of quite personal things for me. I think they're never really financial things. I've written four books now, and I think the first time the cardboard box came with my first book in it is obviously a really big deal. And I know you've experienced that. It's, you know, it's sort of it's unbelievable it's sort of, almost. It, it, it's un- it's unbelievable so there's that but then there are other things that are just really personal that wouldn't matter to anybody else things like um presenting the 100th anniversary of Chanel number no. 5 was mm. a really big one for me because <laughs> because all i could think of was little me 13 year old me and what and what that would have meant being invited to speak at the oxford union was another huge one because I think for me that was one of those where it's like well this isn't for the likes of me you know Mm -hmm. that that yeah I I had a real when they asked me I didn't want to do it I was terrified of it but I thought you have to do it because this is not for the likes of you and you must do it and so I did it and I was terrified it's the most scared I've ever been I generally don't get nervous but I was terrified and it went great and that meant a lot to me because it's that thing of thinking people people are too good for you people you mm, know yeah. and actually and actually they're not I think the commonality is if somebody had said to me when I was 12 one day you will do this you would go no no I could never ever ever imagine they're mm. interview, all interviewing Jane Fonda do you know mm-hmm. like you know interviewing mm. Helen Mirren and hosting Helen Mirren's Uh, press conference for her 78th birthday things like that I just think little me would have had kittens Mm. and those are the things that matter
0: but as well as all of this you've managed to find time to do the you know I'm doing my little quote marks the giving back and in a major way obviously launching beauty banks uh, which we've talked about in your introduction which was fantastic but you also you set up a private Facebook group called necessary family estrangement which is another I think really powerful and interesting and uh, thing to do because that's the sort of you know, If people have had thought relationships with one or both parents, where do you go? Where do you get support? Where do you get help? It can feel quite isolating. So
3: how has the group evolved? I was at the end mm. of my journey. I think I had done all the work on myself, which is why I was able to open that group. I mm-hmm. didn't feel I had any unfinished business. I wasn't conflicted. I didn't feel any guilt. I, I was in a good place, which is what allowed me to open that group. I opened Necessary Family Estrangement because I had written quite extensively about Meghan Markle in Mm -hmm. as she then was prior to the wedding I had written extensively about her I think correct brave or certainly understandable decision to estrange from her father and at that time everybody was slating Meghan Mm. Markle for not speaking to her dad and I was like hang on a minute you have no idea what you're talking about Uh, it can be a very valid important and life-enhancing decision to cut ties with somebody to whom you are related so I've written a lot about that and so many people were tweeting me saying oh my god thank you so much for writing from that perspective me too me too I'm also estranged from somebody then I thought you know what I'll bring all these people together and so I opened the group with a really good friend of mine Ruth who's a psychotherapist and we run it together and people gather there when they are on some part of the, the journey mm. so they may mm-hmm. be considering estrangement they may already have done it they may be reconciled whatever it is and they all just talk to one another I don't actually play a particularly active role other mm. than police policing sort of people yes. who come in so I didn't need it but I was really happy to give it
1: and just for listeners to know you're estranged from your mother aren't you
3: Well, both my parents are dead. I was estranged from my mother for about 13 years. And then prior to that, we were estranged for periods of two years, Mm. five years, seven years. You know, we've basically Mm. been estranged for my entire adult life.
1: That's a place to go, isn't it? If you think because it's such an unusual or a different kind of decision. um, It's not
3: it's not that unusual. Mm. But what's but what's unusual is talking about it. And the reason people don't talk about it is that everybody else's reaction is, oh, but she's your mum, or but he's yeah. your dad, yeah. and mm. what about when they die? Won't you be upset? And it's like, yes, of course, I'll be really, really, really upset. But very often it's a choice between am I upset when they die or do I live in a state of constant perpetual mm. upset uh, with, while they're alive? And it's a very difficult situation, and nobody makes the decision lightly, no one. But you have some fabulous females, in your life, don't you?
1: Lovely, Catelyn, who came on the show as well, and Lauren LeVarne, who we must have on the show Mm, at some point. As you get older, these women become incredibly important. All women actually become incredibly important. Actually, I've made some really good new friends in midlife. How are they supporting you, and how do you use that support network?
3: My husband knows, and I love him for knowing and being completely fine with this that after my children, my friends are the single most important thing in my yeah. life. They are absolutely crucial to my mental health, to my well-being, to everything. They're so integral to every part of my life. I speak to katlin and Lauren and Nadia Shireen and three men I used to work with at The Gap when I was a kid. And, you know, various other friends I speak to every single day i put so much effort into my yeah. friendships and so do they i take them really really seriously we tell one another absolutely everything we trust one another completely um they they are after my children the center of my universe and I, I, and it means everything to me i've always been in my adult life, I've always been a girls' girl. I like women. I, I just prefer women. That—that's mm-hmm. just the reality of it. Um, not in an unequal way, but I just like spending time with women. That's who I am. And so, when I get together with my female friends, which is frequently, we'll sit in Katlin's garden usually, and we'll be there for maybe fourteen hours talking. <laughs> um, in her special pod. Yeah. Um, <laughs> when. And I have my own room there and everything like it's, it's very it's we're, we're on top of each other all the time. But when I leave, um, I feel like the world's the right way up again. Mm. And I, it recalibrates me in a way it recalibrates me that allows me to be a good wife a good mother to mm. do my work their perspective on things is really valuable to me I tell them literally everything it yeah they just mean the world to me
0: mm-hmm. but obviously Daniel is up there as well because your wedding to him in 2017 it was it was actually in vogue and it was seemed like the most joyful day it was so lovely to look at that and was it a big decision to get married again for a second time yes
3: I was adamant that I did want to get married and mm-hmm. I I took some convincing I, I didn't want to get married I didn't I had absolutely no doubts about him I certainly had no intention of being away from him but married was it mm. was a big one for me I didn't want to get married again because I just found divorce so painful it was worse than any bereavement and I say that with love for the people mm-hmm. I've lost it was just It was so traumatic, Mm -hmm. I absolutely hated every minute. It was so miserable, it was so upsetting. It was the worst thing I've ever gone through. And I just couldn't bear the thought of even contemplating the Mm -hmm. possibility that that might happen again. And it took some convincing, but I think what did it was, so my youngest son became very, very ill and was in hospital for a month. It was a very, very difficult time. And um, it was a bit touch and go to be perfectly honest with Mm. you. And it was, it was the most difficult, most stressful, most scary, most worrying few weeks after it, when he got better, two months later, my now husband said to me, look, when he was ill, it was all about mummy and and real daddy. And he said, and that's absolutely fine. That's correct. That's the way it should be. I just walked away and let mummy and daddy do their thing. However, I need to feel like a legitimate member Mm -hmm. of this family Mm -hmm. and I, we can do what you want. However, I need a degree of legitimacy. So I'm not just the bloke in the room who slinks out. Mm -hmm. We've been together for such a long time. I raised them with you. I do everything that you do around the house. So I need something to make Mm -hmm. me legitimate. And I said, do you know what great that's fine I completely understand that let's go and I think for me I'm I i was not really interested in the grand romance of getting married but that to me is more romantic and meaningful I just thought yeah fine I completely understand that let's do it you deserve that you absolutely deserve that he always knows what my kids are doing at school or at college he washes the games kit like he takes my youngest son to cricket like he he does all of the stuff and he's entitled to that he's entitled mm-hmm. to that and so suddenly it became very easy for me but I have to say I really 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 love being married again and
0: uh, there are now uh, there are now a million reasons why I'm happy oh. I said yes oh that's yeah. so lovely to hear right we've been talking about travel on uh, this episode it's a bit of a summer travel holiday special so we'd love to know um a couple of things from you are you going on holiday this summer can you share where that is and your packing tips So, uh, so my ex-husband takes my children abroad every single
3: year. Mm -hmm. We tend to take them somewhere in the UK. So that means that when he takes them abroad, we go abroad as a couple, Mm -hmm. which is really, really nice. Uh, so we go to Greece, we go Mm -hmm. to Greece every year. We're quite lazy when we find somewhere we like, that's where we are. So, uh, we, we are going to the same place that we always go to in Macedonia and, um, packing tips, um, you definitely won't wear more than two pairs of shoes.
2: However many, <laughs>
3: ho- however many you pack, I'm telling you now, you will not That's wear <laughs> more than two pairs of shoes. And I never, ever, ever take a hairdryer. I absolutely lean into looking terrible. Um, I, I, the thought of hot air blasting in my face when I'm in a hot climate, absolutely no way, um, I you will not change your nail color halfway through the week you will not need an eyeshadow palette you know i think you can <laughs> keep it minimal only, you will only need one jumper for an aeroplane and chilly nights do mm-hmm. not take more than one and i think it's about being really really realistic about what you're actually going to do Mm-hmm. Um and I always write a list in terms of packing tips. I always write a list of what um what theoretically I might wear every day. And then I put it all on the kitchen table or on the side and I leave it there for days and I just keep adding to it. Mm-hmm. And the good thing about doing that is when you come to put it in a suitcase, you can see what's ridiculous. You can see mm-hmm. what's got a silly stack of stuff, you can see what's missing, and you tend not to forget things. So I always, always do it that way. It's wise words. Before you go, Sunny. Tell us how Beauty Banks
1: is doing and how we can help out.
3: Oh, I'd love to tell you that. <laughs> uh, so, uh, so Beauty Banks is my charity that I co-founded with Joe Jones. Um, it is a charity that fights against hygiene poverty. So, what we do is we get members of the public and big beauty brands and retailers to give us beauty products like shower gel, toothpaste, toothbrushes, body wash. All of that kind of stuff um, that they don't need that are unopened, that are discontinued or the packaging's changed or whatever. We take all of that and then we redistribute it to charities who are helping people in the UK who live in poverty. And you uh, can put you can donate yourself as a as a, just as a customer, can't you? Superdrug has the big
1: um boxes you can put in yeah
3: so you can you can donate products by um as Lorraine says you can go to a super drug store ask for the beauty banks bin and put in an extra deodorant bar of soap whatever it is you have like a food bank in a supermarket would work Uh, you can do it that way in Superdrug, or you can donate money which helps us get things out to where they need to be and you can do that by going to our website which is beautybanks.org.uk and there's a donate now button there and you can go on there. And what I will say is that um, we are so lucky at Beauty Banks that we have uh, corporate partners i don't draw a salary joe doesn't draw a salary we have two members of staff and they are paid for by corporate partners so every penny you give us will help somebody living in poverty we we are not a charity with a huge infrastructure expense accounts and all that stuff we are just not um we don't take any money and the people who do earn money are very kindly paid for by huge corporations as their <laughs> donation so whatever you give us will go to a good place
2: Mm-hmm. So it's um, needed
3: now more than ever so it's brilliant so, thank you. unfortunately oh. yes it is that we're we are officially in a poverty crisis and people are accessing food banks i think one, 1. 1.4 million yeah. people are accessing emergency supplies from food banks and we we deliver to food banks we give them their beauty products so um mm-hmm. absolutely you'll be helping people who are desperately
0: in need well thank you so much sally for coming on and congratulations once again on the launch of your skincare sellout skincare range Oh, well, you're really kind for having me on. I'm really
3: grateful and I'm thrilled you love the products.
1: Oh my goodness, we are the world's most incompetent podcasters. That's the intro to our third Midlife Milestones and Magic Moments, all the M's. Eminem and Eminem as someone suggested in in which we ask our listeners um, to share a little bit of inspiration which might be something every day or something completely life-changing or a decision to walk away from something or start a brave new venture some kind of milestone or magic moment they have encountered and then they bring us don't they Trish and tell us what they've done and today we have Kitty with a
2: lovely story. I think as I approached 50, I was scared and lost and wasn't really sure who I was or what I wanted. Um, The ink was just about dry on my divorce. I'd been married since I was in my early twenties and I didn't know who I was. I didn't like what was happening to my body. I was scared I was going to be invisible. The phrase I used a lot of the time to people around me was that I did not want to be Fifty Shades of Beige. So I celebrated my 50th by stepping out onto a burlesque stage and embracing every bit of my ageing, wobbly body. I felt amazing and it reminded me that the least interesting things about me were my past and the numbers I'd become obsessed with. My age, my weight, my baggage, which we've all got. I stood on that stage and I picked a piece of music that meant something and I felt great. Uh, It all just fell away. As the ribbons and the sequin corset came away, I flung my stockings down and I just felt like I was strutting into my new chapter. I'd taken the decision to decide to be brave and bold and unashamedly who I was and to stop hiding myself and the parts of myself that I had been convinced were unattractive it wasn't only my body that was naked it was kind of my soul as well and it felt incredible and I could see most of the audience were other women and they got it every single one of them got it it was amazing I'd recommend anybody do it
1: Welcome to our How to Win at Midlife travel special. And today we have teamed up with Saw Days, the travel experts, to help you plan a great getaway. So we sent their experts your travel questions and asked them to solve your problems for you. Kind of travel agony answer, didn't
0: we, Trish? Mm-hmm we did indeed and i think you'll find the answers extremely useful um first up we had i think it's quite a perennial question which is it's my in-laws 50th wedding anniversary at the end of the summer and we'd like to take them abroad for a week to celebrate we'd like some sunshine but not too hot as they're not great in the heat there will be 12 of us in total with ages 8 to 80 so we need something to keep everybody happy please um yes well, goodness 12, 12 so we have an answer here suggestion from Saude's France travel expert Agnes. Oh my goodness we're going to get some of your French pronunciation <laughs> here. <aren't we>? Come <laughs> this on is what, where what the, did you the, get for your O level? Oh I've got to see everybody see. knows that. Yeah the game's Come up on. here because you can hear my terrible pronunciation. Right so she is suggesting some French sunshine but not too hot. She's recommending heading to the Pays de la Loire the Poitou charentes or the Aquitaine regions. OK, Do you like that? Yeah. Liked OK,
1: it. we will put it on Facebook in yes. actual spelling for those of you who can't. They won't be able to understand what yes. she's saying.
0: Yes. yes. And she's saying those areas, they're really good because you get a little bit of a breeze from the ocean. Um, You want a swimming pool that goes without yeah. saying that keeps everybody happy. And then lots of beautiful places to sit and relax and chat and play games in the shade, in the sun. And she has suggested Chateau de Carsac, for example, which would keep everybody happy. So um, I've had a look at that. It is absolutely <laughs> stunning. Okay.
2: It's, it's a Gone good on a one for a great holiday.
0: holiday. So we're going to put the link to Chateau de Carsac on the episode notes, aren't we? And also in the Facebook group. Yes. And take um, take a pack of cards, I
1: always say, or two packs of cards. Um, yes, when you take cards, big
0: backgammon,
1: holidays, things yeah. to blow
0: up in the, the swimming pool for everybody to <laughs> jump on. That's always good. Now, this is one that's
1: uh, close to my heart. This is about travelling alone. So our listener asked,
0: I'm a happy single
1: midlife woman and I'm fine in my own company in bars and restaurants. I'd love to go somewhere like Olivia Colman's character in the film, The Lost Daughter, but without all the drama. (laughs) was a lot of drama yes so a small town or village near a lovely beach with some friendly bars and restaurants it's interesting isn't it yeah Mm. that's what you want when you're on it you want a smaller Mm. town now nicole is Sorday's italy expert and she suggests and do forgive me all italians cetri levant which is a little seaside town in liguria just north of Sancterra, I think you would say, Mm -hmm. wouldn't you? Um, It's just about the right size. It's not too big. It's not too small, and it's a really good base. Um, You can stroll around. It's got pedestrian-only cobbled streets with shops and cafes and trattoria, and lots of little colourful pastel houses, which are typical of that region. Um, Also, it's on the seaside, so it's between two bays. So there's the protected Bay of Silence to one side. I couldn't go to Bay of Silence. (laughs)
0: Well, you would. If you were on your own surely that's no. what you want a bit of silence <laughs> i need an audience wherever i go yeah. <laughs>
1: um, which has got sandy beaches um and then on the other side there's another bay which is open to uh, the sea so you can go to either one for a morning cappuccino i'm liking the idea of this mm. um, and then you can also take a walk along the coastal path to punta marinara um surrounded by aromatic mediterranean vegetation it says here and lots of calming Ooh. sea views Ooh. and also the neighboring town of Cinque Terre is best seen by sea so you can take little boat trips um along the coast for that oh i like the really sound of that actually. that is really nice so i'm just uh, going to step in for the listeners here and say that we may pronounce these all, all wrong because um <laughs> i left school at 16 uh, but we will put them on the website and the facebook group so you will be able to find the correct mm-hmm. spelling which will help you Find the
0: place. Anyway, what's next, Trish? Well, next up is this one. Is there an optimal time to book to get the best value for money? I'm looking for a lovely hotel in the UK for a family getaway, including hard to please teenagers, but they all seem to cost an arm and a leg. And I'm sure the UK costs more than going abroad. It does seem like that sometimes, doesn't it? It's really hard to know where to get the deals. So, Gwen, who is the UK travel expert at Saw Days, says it's true that the UK can be an expensive option, especially especially when traveling with teenagers, but there are still ways to get the best value. So Gwen suggests looking outside of the traditional hotspots like Cornwall, which yeah, we know a lot about the, the Lake, Lake District, District, and yeah. to look at some less explored destinations because you'll find more flexibility and reasonable prices. Gwen is suggesting the Northumberland coast, for example, which has some of the UK's most beautiful beaches and usually is much less crowded. Gwen is saying that hotels are lovely, but you might want to consider other accommodation options if you are on a budget. Um, Self catering obviously is going to be much more affordable, and don't rule out B and B's. They've no. come a long way, apparently. They're, you know, you can get some really cool boutique places to stay. It's not this sort of fuddy-duddy old no. places that we might think from when we were growing up. And they can be a fraction of the price. Gwen is suggesting Mount Pleasant Farm in Somerset, which has its own pool and rooms are from £105 per night. So that like is definitely idea. an option worth looking at, b
1: Now, this one I quite like as well. I want to book... I might do this.
0: A European
1: city break is a birthday present for my husband, but being in midlife, we've already ticked off many of the places that <laughs> we might want to go. Where can I take him to surprise him? Nicole, a sort of Italy expert, said Palermo, which I hadn't thought of, actually. Mm. It's an excellent choice, she says, for an exciting long weekend away as you're in glorious Italy, yet with multicultural influences from the ancient Greeks, Romans, Arabs, Normans, Swabians, she said, don't know what that Ooh, is. Oh, a bit of a history French, The Aragonese and the Bourbons, who I'm assuming are not biscuits, who apparently (laughs) they've all invaded Sicily over the years and have left their mark there. So you get Mm -hmm. to explore quite nice food and drink, I would imagine. And the best way to explore it is on foot. The Neighbourhoods change dramatically in scenery and architecture. Oh, I love it when you walk from one street to the Mm. next, you don't quite know where you are. And she says you can start off the morning at the lively Bolaro marketplace which is great for people watching a photographic safari and a feast for the senses Nicole said I know you like a feast for the senses Mm. and you can't miss classic sites including um, a choice of nine UNESCO heritage sites such Mm. as the stunning royal palace now James would love that my husband would love all that kind of thing Chapels, yes. palaces, mosaics.
0: Yes, Palermo. It's on my list. Yeah, I like Sicily. It's it's great actually. It does feel quite different to Italy. It's it, you know, it is obviously Italy, but it's it's quite different. But anyway, I think this is one we've all asked about. During lockdown, my group of six gal pals came up with a plan to squirrel away 30 pounds a month each so we could treat ourselves to a mini break to pack ourselves on the back for all that homeschooling and make up for lost time together we now have a sizable pot and are ready to book and would like somewhere in the UK that we can get active in the daytime with walks wild swimming or fitness as well as stylish accommodation for when we crack open the fizz in the evenings this is sounding very good (laughs) I like the idea of squirreling or having a little fund an escape fund it's good start one of those can't have a squirrel trip I'll go kill it (laughs) so we have some suggestions from Sally um, who is day's UK expert and Sally says you can't go wrong with a couple of nights at Penally Abbey a country house hotel overlooking Carmarthen Bay in Wales walk down to the beach for morning sea swims or join the Pembrokeshire coast path right from the door rooms at the hotel are stylish and there's lovely big terrace for evening drinks um, and obviously there's a lovely restaurant and you can have private dining as well if you so wish with all your lovely girlfriends. She's also got a suggestion in the Lake District. Um it's called Another Place which she says is excellent has loads to do, hikes, water sports, and a spa and a fabulous pool plus the restaurant has a new chef going down very well apparently. The Lake District place.
1: is mm. a very very good place to go for that kind of thing because there's mm. quite a lot to do but it's the food is very good as well. So yeah, I would definitely be looking for a Lake District holiday. Now we've got a question about dastardly dogs. Yeah.
0: Can you hear Michael barking off. in the background? Yes. She must have known this question was
1: coming. (laughs) We can't take ours anywhere. She's uh, very (laughs) antisocial. Anyway, the uh, listener asks: having gasped at the price of dog sitters, we're thinking of taking our new dog on holiday with us to France. Having never done it before, what do we need to know about post-Brexit rules and regulations? Is France dog friendly, i.e. can you take them to bars, restaurants and shops? And is there any dog etiquette tips for ensuring we don't become... Guests guess from hell well some dogs are much better behaved than children aren't they trish (laughs) anyway agnes saudade's france travel expert says since brexit an animal health certificate must be obtained by the vet within 10 days of travel and you must bring proof of your dog's microchipping date and vaccination history the certificate gives you four months of travel in the eu and four months for re-entry to great britain Note that the primary rabies vaccination must be received at least 21 days before you travel to the EU or Northern Ireland. And your dog must be at least 15 weeks old at the time of traveling. Well, it wouldn't take a it's puppy. There's quite
0: that a lot going madness, on here, isn't there? Yeah. I think we need to uh, put this on the Facebook, yes, group, yeah. don't we? Yeah.
1: So when you return to the UK, it must have been treated for tapeworm. Within 24 hours and 120 hours, five days before travel by a vet, for trips abroad shorter than five days, you could have the tapeworm treatment done in Great Britain. Tapeworm, hadn't even thought about that. Um, And now, is France a dog-friendly place? Well, apparently there are 7.5 million dogs in France. Like the UK, the number keeps increasing. Uh, Museums and some parks and restaurants don't accept dogs. Watch out for the chien D sign. I think I might have got that pronounced. That was good. Right. Yes. Was um, good. More and more places do welcome them. If unsure, perhaps ring ahead to find out or politely ask if dogs are allowed uh, when you're there or if you can bring your dog in. I think we might even point, point out how to do that. You It's probably an iPhone app where you can uh, tra- yes. translate that to ask about dogs. And if you're going to rent holiday properties um, because 260 of the day places in France welcome dogs, then it might be worth giving the owner a ring in advance and explaining your Particular dog to them and asking uh, for advice on it.
0: Mm, so there Ooh. we are. We have holidays for singles, families, pooches. Yes. Barking dogs, everything. So that was our first travel special, which I hope um, everybody found useful. And actually, we're going to be creating a series of travel podcasts with Saw Days soon, in which we'll be asking some fabulous women to talk about their best travel moments and adventures and how those have played out in their lives. So that's going to be really exciting. We will keep you posted on that, but we'd love to find out more about what excites you or what your needs are when it comes to holidays and escapes. So drop us a line at hello at post cards dot midlife.com
1: young trish
2: mm.
1: i'm asking the questions <laughs> i'm in the hot seat for our nostalgia noodle quiz guest oh the yes year. i'm
0: ready i'm ready You're i'm gonna kick up. you off <laughs> it was the
1: year that the best of rod stewart came out <laughs> god, god Stewart's first best off bear in mind right. that man is nearly 80 now yes god love okay. him
0: as we do i'm, I'm heading straight to the seven, late 70s early 80s i'm going late 70s but mm. carry on carry no, on. you're not in the you're not okay in give thing. me another clue there um
1: <laughs> it was the year probably our favorite sitcom started as well one of the quotes from one of the Mm -hmm. lead characters it's very pertinent to us this sitcom I'm going to raise hemlines so high the world is your gynecologist who said that is it ab fab
0: yes 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 Yes. do I get a bonus point for guessing
1: that no 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 okay um and the headline on Newsweek in December
0: monarchy in crisis
1: with a big picture of Princess Di on her own
0: okay so where are you now I'm in the the 90s I'm in the early 90s yes yes I think I'm around 92 93 yes so I think oh my god I'm going to be one year out if I get this wrong I'm going to say so it's December I'm going to go December 93 no 1993 92 oh bugger damn (laughs) So good so good oh i think i, deserve Can I just deserve i got it down to two and i got the did. um okay yeah. no um it's the year miley
1: cyrus was born oh for god's sake
0: <laughs> <laughs> do you know what the uh the best-selling self-help
1: book that year was
0: it wasn't um women are from mars Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it? men are from okay. Mars, women are from oh, so Venus. That's an anniversary then, isn't it? Because that 92, that is 20 years oh, 20, 30, 30 years. Oh my yeah. god. What <gasps> about Not that? Eh? What so in 1992, So I was working at Screen International, the weekly trade newspaper for the film industry. That was exciting. It was exciting. Actually. I was 24, so I would have been You, you weren't on the 24. Daily Mirror. How can um, you be Oh, you were 24? Yes, you're yes. you're younger than me. Yes, you were on the Daily Mirror. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> on the women's pages of the Daily Mirror. Did you get any
1: scoops? lots of scoops I was actually the uh person who interviewed the first woman big world exclusive the first woman to take her husband to court for rape within a marriage oh,
0: that's very, very interesting wow yes. I think there's a so, whole area of showing off that you haven't well ventured yes. into yet on this yes. uh, podcast we could go there couldn't we but Rod what? Stewart
1: the best of 1992 ha- I mean oh he's, he's still, still going <laughs> <Because> <laughs> he probably had about 80 best of albums
0: since then he probably has hasn't he Yes, it's never can never get too much, Rod. Can you? so that brings us to the end of this week's travel focused and a bit beauty focused postcards from midlife new episodes are available to listen to every sunday on your podcast provider and we would really appreciate it if you can make sure to download your episodes so they count on our listener numbers and if you could rate and review us too that would be really marvelous and tell all your friends about us please we want as many women as possible
1: to join in the midlife conversation which is what our private facebook group is all about
0: so if you're not a member yet do come over and join us there in the chat you can use it to post any feedback on the topics we discuss maybe you could give us a maths lesson on there any maths teachers out there as well as suggestions for other things you'd like to hear talked about or celebrities and experts you'd love to hear interviewed or you can email us at hello at postcards from midlife.com or pop a message on instagram goodbye bye